welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 187th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 642nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, September 17th, 2020. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Well, Wednesday turned out to be an eventful day in Big Ten country with football announcing its return and also the announcement from the NCAA of when the upcoming basketball season, yes, that's right, the upcoming basketball season will begin. So we at least have a date to look forward to at this point, October 25th or November 25th. Sorry, I wish it was October 25th uh, is is out there, which is about 70 days, about 10 weeks from now. Um, so, you know, this time in 10 weeks, it'll be Thanksgiving and we'll have hopefully a day of college basketball under our belt. So, uh, I don't know after what has been the longest and weirdest off season that, uh, we could ever imagine and, uh, hopefully we'll ever see. Uh, I'm glad that, uh, you know, we at least have a date. Uh, a lot of things have come into this. Uh, we've, we've talked about it, you know, these, these past handful of weeks where, you know, going through what, what can, the basketball side of things learn from football. Uh, they've they've done a better job of planning things out and trying to get ahead of things. And so now they've got the better part of 10 weeks to get everything in place, uh, whether that be schedules, testing, all the things that are necessary to hopefully make the college basketball season happen. And even though it won't be uh, normal by any stretch, whether that be number of games, where games are played, uh, fans in the stands, all those kinds of things, it will likely be far from normal. Uh, I I think I speak for all of us here when I say it will be a, uh, a fun time to get back and be able to actually have a post-game show to talk about an IU basketball game, uh, which hopefully will uh, come somewhere on or around November 25th. So that is the easy call for this week's Banner Moment. Uh, and now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. He's one of the most dedicated Indiana fans on earth and as one of the co-hosts of Crimson Cast, he's one of the true OGs of Indiana sports podcasting. He also clearly underrates Tom Coverdale's performances in clutch situations. Coverdale's like a real early James Hart. He is Scott Caulfield. Scott, welcome. Thanks for joining me tonight. And uh, what's on your mind with the big uh, announcements in the Big Ten this week? Andy, thanks for having me, and great to see you. Um, I, I mean, I'm so happy that the Big Ten decided to drop this for me on the ace, you know, when I come on Assembly Call Radio. You guys invited me earlier in the week, and I'm like, yeah, I'd love to join. I, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Um, and then, you know. We I, were definitely I, bailed I, out in a big way by, by Ten, Wednesday's news, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, pushback. We had a lot of great segments. We were going to talk about all you know, in depth of the, you know, the 90s. 1924 season uh dig into 25 no it's it's good i mean i, I will i will paraphrase something gail and i did a podcast uh, this afternoon is posting up sometime soon on crimson cast but i will just say he, he mentioned something i think is something that needs to be said for all of us like it's it's okay for us to be happy this is back there's a lot of things tied to this there's a lot of pieces where we can be concerned about you know the, the health and safety of students i think those are all true things too but we're all sports fans like it's okay to be happy and excited that iu athletics is coming back and so you know i i kind of want to focus on that vein like i'm fired up football's coming back and i think this also means that 
for sure basketball is coming back. I know it was announced, but I was kind of concerned the Big Ten was going to be kind of, you know, stuck in the spot where it's like maybe we can't play basketball because we're not playing football. Like now, for, for sure, we're going to have basketball. If if everyone else is playing, the Big Ten will be playing now because they're definitely not going to back out of basketball if everyone else is playing after they kind of just foul that up with football. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping in the same way that the even the NCAA from a basketball perspective has learned from some of the lack of planning from a football standpoint. Yeah. I think the Big Ten uh, obviously has a lot of lessons to learn on a, on a variety of fronts, regardless of your political viewpoints and anything else. I think the you know kind of public relations handling of it was uh, was pretty much poor from start to finish, and uh, now they you know even coming back have a little bit of egg on their face with some of that. But yeah, I'm like you, uh, excited to have that to to look forward to, and uh, seems like they're they're putting the right protocols in place to to protect people as best they can. Uh, so with that, uh, this week, we're going to talk about a handful of Hoosier headlines. We'll spend most of that time really talking a little bit more about football. Uh, the Crimson Cast episode is out, so certainly would encourage people to uh, to listen to that. I listened to it this evening. Uh, so as always, Scott and Galen are, uh, are great sources for IU football discussion. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the what we know, uh, what little there is we know about the framework of the college basketball season. Uh, and then we got a, a few listener questions that we'll we'll sprinkle in here, and uh, and potentially some in depth cameo discussion uh, to be had later in the show. So all of that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, before we get to that though, quick announcement to continue to support our friends at Homefield at homefieldapparel.com. You can use the promo code Assembly twenty to get twenty percent off your purchase. Uh, they have continued to uh, to roll out their schools as part of Big New Saturday. I think they're on week nine or ten. Uh, at this point, Auburn was the record setter, I believe, after last week. And uh, based on the hints this week, looks like Colorado State. Uh, so potentially some good stuff to be had there. But uh, as always, a lot of great IU apparel that is uh, that is out there. Something, uh, you know, pick something up for the uh, October return to football and the November return to basketball for sure. Uh, and again, you can use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 to save 20% off. So who's your headlines this week? Uh, did have a media appearance from Kenya Hunter, new uh, new assistant coach. Kenya Hunter uh, had some discussion about that. Uh, you know, Scott, we've we've talked about the hire uh, on the show over the last uh, over the last few weeks since it was announced. But uh, just kind of curious to get your early impressions of of Kenya Hunter, whether that came from the media appearance this week or just other stuff you've you've read about him uh, as the addition to the staff. No, I mean, I, I think it's good. I, I think. You know, I, I think his recruiting ties are good, and the, the proof will be in the pudding. I mean, I think Bruiser Flint was there to be kind of the recruiting coach, and I think I think the same thing here. I mean, I think I think it's all good. I mean, the, the thing is, like, I've never been assistants. Kind of, it's it's something to talk about, but it's like in the end, I'm not sure how much it's going to affect. Like in the end, you know, what we have seen is that under Archie, things are more stable than they, they the last four years. You've seen a growing uptick in the number of, you know, four and five star recruits. We've got like what, I think four Mr. Basketballs in a row or three or four, like the most in, it's been a while since I've done the research, like a most in a long period of time. So things are going in the right direction. My only hope is that it, it all sounds good. I like the hire. I just hope that it didn't disrupt anything that we had going because we did seem to have a lot of positive momentum in recruiting. Um, but it's one of those things where the proof will be in the pudding. Unfortunately, with kind of the recruiting assistance you don't know it for like 18 to 24 months there's a really long tail on these things so i think it's good but we probably you can't say like oh we just signed somebody tomorrow like it really has nothing to do with that so you know we'll probably know in two years when unfortunately it's too late yeah i think it's one of those where you know initially after the hire they they put out a few offers to guys that he had some ties with um back at yeah. uconn I, you know, I think if you get some of those guys, again, 
you know, kind of taken at face value that, uh, you know, the, the quality of their play is, is worthwhile. I think getting somebody that you, uh, or, or a couple guys that you maybe hadn't been in on outside of him would be, uh, you know, at least a, a potential early indicator that there's some, uh, you know, some benefit to be had there. But yeah, like you said, and, and like we've said before, you know, so much of what these guys do is behind the scenes that we really don't have enough visibility to, to say, this guy is, is really making a difference versus maybe he's not. So, um, but anyway, you know, I, th- I thought there was some good stuff. I know they had a, a write up on inside the hall about, uh, about him and just, you know, some of the things that, that different, different people, not just Archie were, were talking about with him. So seems like a pretty well-rounded guy and, and wasn't clear whether he would be, you know, working with the, the bigs or the, or the backcourt guys. Um, so more, maybe more to come on that. Uh, Logan Duncan, the highest riser in the rivals, uh, 150. Up 51 spots to number 88. Um, I think he had jumped up in the 24-7 rankings that we went over um, a week or two ago. So I think a, a lot of positive momentum for him uh, on the recruiting side of things. And then football is back. So, uh, you know, Scott, I know you guys uh, you guys talked about this, so we'll try not to, to cover a lot of the same ground. So just to kind of give everybody the... Uh, the basics. So uh, games will start October 24th. Uh, maybe that's why I said October 25th for basketball. Maybe not. Uh, there'll be eight games, uh, all you know, eight consecutive weeks, no, uh, no bye weeks, no off weeks built in. I think that is going to be one of the challenges to see uh, how they navigate that with really not leaving themselves any wiggle room. And then at the end of that, everybody will get one extra game. Uh, you'll be basically play the like placed team um, East versus West. Although I saw something that they said they may try to avoid rematches if they can. So maybe there's a little bit of flexibility with that. Uh, seems like so far, no fans, at least outside of, you know, maybe family, uh, no tailgating disappointing to, uh, to coach. I'm sure no truth to rumor that that's, that's why coach is not on that. He's just in mourning because of not being able to tailgate. I'm sure he'll set something up at his house. It'll be fine. Um, IU started daily testing today. The big 10 starts covering the cost of that come the end of the month. Uh, and then scheduling wise, this is kind of the interesting part. Everybody goes immediately to the, uh, to the negative end of this, which is reasonable. Uh, you know, Lee wrote in IU football schedule eight games. Well, IU play four games each against Ohio state and Michigan. Uh, hopefully not. Uh, so basically the way the eight game schedule will work, at least as I understand. No, it's going to be three against Ohio state, three against Michigan and two against, you know, Michigan state and yeah. one against Penn yeah, state. Maybe Penn state. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they'll play the six games, the six teams in their division, and then they'll have two crossover games. So I have to think they'll keep the protected rivalry as one which would be Purdue. Uh, the other, and so the other one is the question mark for IU. I saw uh, Zach Osterman tweet something out that basically somebody had said that the nine game schedule, the big 10 released uh, days before saying they weren't going to play the season um, had, had basically had that they would keep two of those three crossover games. So the three that IU had at that point, as best I could tell were uh, Purdue at home at Wisconsin, Illinois at home. Um, so Zach speculated that the Wisconsin one is the one that they would keep because it would balance out the home road piece. Um, I am given the, uh, Eastern division schedule. I'm hopeful that perhaps that is not the case, but, uh, time will tell, uh, about how the schedule goes. So I guess Scott, without really knowing, you know, the schedule is the big unknown at this point, whether it'll be front loaded, back loaded. Uh, I use kind of seen two different versions of that, where I think the original version of the full schedule, you felt pretty good getting past that Wisconsin game. The nine game schedule seemed like it flipped on its head and got off to a really rough start. So we don't know that yet. Um, but you know, kind of initial thoughts about how the big 10 makes the schedule work, what, you know, concerns you may have with the, you know, eight games back to back, no wiggle room type of thing, uh, whichever way you want to go from a, a football perspective. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, the, if you haven't read Osterman's article in the Indy Star, it's really well done. And I, I think it does kind of highlight that, you know, the, the way that Big Ten has gone about this process by being so definitive early and then now kind of turning course they really box themselves into a corner because obviously they want to get this done by December you know, 20th to get into the national championship discussion or have, you know, whatever team wins the big 10 be there, but they're going to have their final game December 19th. They literally have no wiggle room. And so you have eight games in eight weeks. You don't have the possibility for any kind of, you know, canceled game. If you want to get those eight games that you can't play two in a week. So, you know, I, I'm it's tough to even look at this because, you know, you've already seen a couple. I think it was like Virginia, Virginia Tech had to be canceled or postponed like North Carolina is having some issues, you know. So so it it's hard to even look at this with it with an eye, because like my biggest fear, knowing just like as an IU football fan is like our game against Rutgers is going to somehow get postponed. and We're going to end up playing Michigan three times, like back to Lee's question. It's like, you know, they'll be like, oh, just you know play Michigan a couple times or you're already there. Um so, I mean, I think that is is what is tough. But, you know, here, here's what I say from a grander standpoint. when you look at it, like I, I do think this does provide some real opportunity for Indiana football and in that, you know, playing in places like Wisconsin and Michigan and Ohio State, it was tough because you had 100,000 fans already. These big stadiums are still going to be big stadiums. Now they're going to be empty. Um, and it wasn't really a reciprocity thing where Memorial Stadium really didn't provide. I mean, I love Memorial Stadium. It's great. But it didn't provide the same kind of you know home field advantage that you would like at the big house in Michigan. So a lot of what those teams, other teams had is a little bit negated. Um, and I also truly think as I look at this, and again, I haven't scouted all the other teams in the Big Ten, but you know, unlike a lot of years, Michael Penix is really something different back there. And if he's healthy, he's a tough guy to scout for. And especially if you're playing, if you're week five, if you're playing IU and you're Michigan, you just come off four straight weeks, Like you don't have a ton of time to game plan. And it's not like, oh, there's running, you know, the normal, you know, as great as Tevin Coleman one. It's like, this is a, hey, we got, you know, they're going to pass to Tevin Coleman. Let's just play our standard, you know, run package defense. Like, Penix can gun it. He can run it. He can throw short. He can throw deep. Like, and you know, you got a lot of things to go there. So I wonder if our ability to kind of play a unique style with our quarterback allows us to be a really hard matchup in this. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, the only other thing that I, I thought about mentioned on our pod earlier was, you know, if, if they keep the IU Purdue game protected as the last game of the quote unquote regular season, it sounds like then the way they're going to finish off is the, you know, the, the top team from each division plays each other. You know, if, if IU and Purdue were at the same level, you theoretically, I guess, could have a scenario where IU and Purdue play the bucket and then the week later play again for not the bucket, but they play for bragging rights to go to Detroit or something. Like, I don't know how that's going to look, um, but I, I think IU and Purdue's rivalry is probably the least important thing the Big Ten has to wor- worry about right now. Maybe we just have two two buckets in the year. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I, I did see something. I think it was somebody talked about Barry Alvarez saying this, that they would they still may try to avoid some of those rematch type scenarios, but you'd be going against what you were, what you were doing, but you know, maybe it's a, well, if you're the fourth place team, then maybe you end up playing the fifth place team instead or the third place team. I I don't really know. You know, the other thing that that you guys touched on a little bit was bowl eligibility and how that all works. Will there actually be bowl games? I mean, I think the big 10 will continue to proceed as if there will be bowl games and it, you know, one of those where how many wins do you have to get? I mean, if you end up playing, um, you know, you're going to end up playing nine games. So do you need to finish five and four? Will there be enough teams? I think there's a lot of those kinds of questions. And then, you know, what you do if somebody has to, you know, can't play a game because they, 
you know, have to quarantine a certain number of people? Like, does that count as a forfeit? Does it count as a win for the, you know, how does that actually like factor into some of those different things? Uh, will definitely be interesting to see, but you know, is there anybody that you think, and maybe, maybe it's IU to, to your point before, you know, one of the questions I had was kind of like, who does this, who does this potentially benefit? Um, I think to your point, the, the road situations where, you know, you've got all those people, you know, bearing down on you, you know, the noise, the, you know, having to adjust what you're doing snap count wise, those, those kinds of things. I think even in some cases, just that what that brings to the gravity of different moments, you know, I think about IU going to some of these places and playing really well. And, you know, do you all of a sudden look around and, and like, holy crap, I'm in this game at the big house and, and, you know, kind of the gravity of what you're trying to do, uh, you know, sets in on you. I, that doesn't happen now. Um, are there other, you know, things or attributes of teams or whatever that you think might really be able to, to benefit from whatever this new setup is going to look like, even though we only have a, a, a you know, kind of high level idea of what that actually is. Yeah. I mean, I would say that the two teams that I would look at is like, I'll, I'll say, I hate the idea of playing Wisconsin. Cause I think they could really benefit from this just because they have an identity. I mean, you're kind of seeing it in the NBA bubble. It's not the best example, but like teams that kind of, understand like what they are like the heat know who they are and they're killing it in the bubble at least maybe not tonight but they've been doing well you know wisconsin is basically been the same team for 25 years and so they they have what they have they run what they run i think they could benefit from this and i also think and again i haven't done enough to look at this i know i think michigan quarterback is looking to transfer or you know maybe leave early a couple guys from ohio state have been looking to maybe just not play you know i i think what it could benefit is maybe a team like you know, like a Penn State or like Minnesota or somebody who's like not at that upper level, but just right below it. If they get a couple of their guys to stay and then you have a team like Ohio State or Michigan where a couple of their stud guys like, look, I'm just I'm not going to mess this. I'm just waiting for the draft. You could have a situation where those teams that might have finished like in the top 20 could suddenly be playing for a national championship or at least be the Big Ten representative going to that. So, so you I think you could see a shakeup where you see teams that like Penn State's kind of that example. Like they're probably not, at, they're just a, t- a tad below Ohio State, but maybe this year they'll get above that because of guys who who aren't playing. Um, so I mean that that's that's what I would say. And again, I'm I'm a, I'm a homer. I I just I, I don't know. I, I I think this benefits Indiana. I re- I just really do. I mean we're for for the reasons I mentioned before. And again, I'm a homer. And you know, if there's ever a year for us to have a good year, it would be an odd year like this. And by the way, if if we finish second in the Big Ten in a COVID year, and everyone's like, "Well, that doesn't count," it's like you can go pound sand because I will take it all day long. If we make the Big Ten championship, it's like done. And by the also too, last thing is like, if we beat Ohio State, and there's no fans there. Like I don't care. Like I'm not. I, you can tell me all oh, there was no fans in the in the horseshoe. Who cares? Like I, I care because guess what we. Th- like 35 years we can't do it without fans like we don't need to set the bar higher it's like just beat them once in my lifetime would be awesome yeah nobody needs to put asterisk by anything for sure i'm right there i'm right there with you on that yeah i think yeah uh, you know i think other you know another thing you know teams that have a, a fair amount of continuity that aren't looking to integrate a bunch of new pieces i mean you didn't really have spring the way you normally have it you've had some workouts you've had different things so i think that's another you know, again, I'm like you, I haven't really looked across the, the conference enough, but you know, IU does have you know a little bit of transition on the coaching staff from an offensive coordinator standpoint. However, depending upon how much of that is, is, you know, kept and is the same, 
you know, maybe there's not a, a huge change there. So I think continuity will be important because you at least know what to expect from one another uh, as you as you go through that part of the process. So it'll be interesting to see, but good to have it to talk about. And uh, I'm sure somehow uh, all IU fans are waiting to just see how uh, how the schedule does not shake out in IU's favor. But we'll uh, we'll find that out soon enough, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. All right. So uh, with that, we're going to talk a little bit about the basketball announcement that was made coming up next. Um, You know, kind of what do we know at this point? What are some of the outstanding questions we have? So we'll hit the uh, hoop side of things next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hi, this is A.J. Moye. What's the only thing better than upsetting Duke in the Sweet 16? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach for the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers! Thanks, AJ, and welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between-segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms here with special guest Scott Caulfield from Crimson Cast, and uh, we talked a little football about the announcement from this week uh, earlier on, but uh, this is largely a basketball show, so we uh, we would be remiss not to talk about that. So... Uh, as I mentioned in the opening, you know, what we know about the basketball season is that it is set to begin on November 25th, which is the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, Gary Parish, Matt Norlander talked about this a little bit uh, on their podcast. I think a couple, well, the main driver behind that seemed to be that at that point, I think somewhere upwards of 70% uh, of schools basically were going to have students not on campus. Uh, IU will be uh, one of those. And so they talked about wanting to try to wait. Um, so that, you know, maybe the players were less, uh, you know, were around fewer other students. Uh, I think also maybe a secondary benefit is that it, you know, starts on a Wednesday, you're right before Thanksgiving. It's not a day that you're sharing with college or pro football, uh, which bodes well. And, and the NCAA has had some issues with in the, in the past, just in terms of, you know, basketball starting on days that it might not get its due. So at this point, everything that's out there is really kind of a, a general framework. Um, they've got some suggestions or, um, recommendations, if you will, in terms of non-conference games, they'd like everybody to play at least four. Um, but it's not a, it's not a mandate. So, you know, what, what with IU, this is really the big thing, uh, Scott, that I wanted to, to touch on first, because we did get a couple questions around scheduling. So basically the situation is IU can play up to 27 games, which I think is four less than what, what is normally out there. And so if you start doing the math with what's out there, it gets, uh, it gets interesting pretty quick. So you figure Big Ten is still going to play 20 conference games. I haven't seen anything that suggests that's not going to happen. IU would still plan to play in the Maui, the Maui Jim Maui Invitational in apparently Asheville, North Carolina or Indianapolis. Uh, 
which is obviously going to be probably held at a different time, but that's three games there. Big 10 ACC challenge, which I, I saw a couple tweets today that suggested it might get pushed back, but I think they'll want to have that from a TV perspective. That's always a good TV event. IU, I believe, is scheduled to play in the Gavit games, Big Ten, Big East, which is always early in the season. So that one definitely would have already been played by the time the season, the, the new season start data. So that one will get pushed back if not canceled. And then you got the crossroads against Butler. I mean, if, if assuming all three of those, you know, those events go forward, um, you've used six of your seven games right there, and then you only got one left. And IU had previously announced games against uh, NJIT, Robert Morris, Western Michigan, and then against uh, Nebraska Omaha. So I'm not sure whether, you know, I think Maui certainly happens, but whether all three of the Big Ten ACC, Gavit games, Crossroads games happen is kind of unclear. Maybe they can have uh, the Butler game count for both the Crossroads and the Gavit games to uh, to save save time. And then you've got one other game to schedule. So, you know, Scott, how do you, how do you think that plays out? I mean, do you think one of those gets, you know, nixed, like IU backs out of the Gavit games and wouldn't end up playing that one? Like, how... How do you figure you do that, or is the schedule just going to be that difficult, and you really only have one, you know, quote unquote, buy game in a year like this? Yeah, I mean, this is like Tom Crean's nightmare of like no cupcake. <laughs> I mean, by the way, like at, at Georgia, he definitely, I'm sure, right now Georgia, he's trying to get out of all these games and like trying to play 35 <laughs> games against Robert Morris. Um, I mean, I think it's just the way it is. I mean, it, this is you know, this is something I you know I, I've been thinking about with college basketball is so many of these programs like you know, the, the Southern Mississippi's and kind of these smaller schools, like they made their money off of just playing 30 road games around the country. Um, they can't do that anymore. And so I do think it's going to be this difficult. Cause I don't think I, I haven't looked into the, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to, I say like, I haven't, I'm not going to dig into the contracts, but it's like, I don't think the, I don't think Indiana, if they're in the Gavit games could just back out. I mean, that, that's two conferences set up. Like if they're in the big 10 ACC, they can't just back out. Of that. Maybe they can get out of the Maui invitational, but you know, Maui, like whatever that is, wherever it is, you know, they want to still have that. I think you're kind of committed to all of this stuff based on contractual ob- obligations. And those are the marquee games people want to see. I mean, the, the plus side is everyone's going to have the same problem. Like if you're Illinois, if you're Iowa, like every other team in the Big Ten and every other major conference is going to have the same issue where you're basically just playing a, a, a pretty brutal schedule. But, you know, we're hoping Indiana is going to be top of the big 10, you know, top five in the big 10. And so really it's like, all right, you know, we're, we're playing with the big boys. We have a really good team. Let's go out there and, and, and show it. I mean, I think the one to, to me, it's like the one that would be easiest to back out of because there's probably less contractual obligations to be the crossroads, but to me, it's actually the easiest one to play. It's like all the four schools are here. And theoretically, you know, if you're trying to do kind of a pseudo bubble thing, you could play two games. You could play Indiana Butler, Indiana Notre Dame, you know, swap it around. Just don't play Indiana Purdue. And you could have that that way. All the four teams could get two games in instead of one. You could do it over the course of like two days all in Indy. Yeah, that's that's one of the things they've they've talked about with some of these other tournaments is like they're going to get these teams in the same place. I know they're hosting some of these events in Orlando. And then it's like, well, even if you weren't going to play. Yeah, you happen to not draw a particular team, but you're both in the same place. You're already in that bubble, kind of what you described with the crossroads. Like, would you go ahead and just play that game? You're limiting your exposure and different things, and you, and you have that. The Gavit games is the one that's odd to me because I think your obligation is that you have to play so many times within a – I forget what the number of years is – within an yeah. X year period. Um, and and so I know I used on some of that. I think there was some speculation of whether they play this year or next year. Like maybe you could do that, but then you got to find another Big Ten team to take your spot. So it's not like you, you can just say I'm not going to do it. 
Um, but I would also imagine some of the Big East teams are going to get squeezed in the same way, and maybe you just don't don't make that one work. But yeah, I would agree with you. I think the crossroads is the easiest one to do. I think what it ends up meaning is you don't really have um, that you know kind of on ramp of of games where you yeah. you know get some things under your belt, maybe uh, you know play a couple lesser teams and and get yourself there. But I think the other thing that some of these you know smaller teams are going to be faced with, you know, probably Western Michigan maybe is the exception of the ones that IU already had on the schedule, but. You know, a lot of the things with these smaller schools is like they can't afford to do the same level of testing that the Big Ten is going to, you know, require or do. So how much are, you know, major conference teams really going to want to even put themselves in that potential scenario yeah. to, to schedule some of these some of these guys, which really puts everybody in a difficult position. So, yeah, uh, schedule strength could be at an all time high this year for sure for for <laughs> IU as they go through and try to figure that out. But, yeah, I don't, I don't see the Big Ten backing out of the 20 uh, and then I don't see him getting out of Maui because again, it's kind of a potential like pseudo bubble. You know, you're going to get some good games out of that. Well, um, you, you, if you I could mean, move it to a year that you could actually go to Maui, perhaps that would be an option. But I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that that's really on the table at this point. Well, and again, like you know, we're, we're trying to divorce. Like you know, the the there is a real pandemic. There is a real virus, and I don't want people to get hurt or sick. So, like, let's divorce that from this. But like. There is the real fact of like if Indiana backs out of the Maui Classic, but they still have the Maui Invitational, and they still have it. It's like the- these are these are tournaments that teams bid to get into, and it's not like we're just guaranteed to go to Maui every four years. So it's like if we back out and we you know put Maui in a bad spot, and they gotta you know some other team will step up like all right we'll play, and then it's like you know they they get in like Virginia Tech or something, and it's like all right, well in four years when Indiana wants like now you want to come back when it's in Maui and and things are going well, it's like man you know forget you man we're going we're going against somebody else i mean i think i think there is some of that too that you 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 know you you're you're not guaranteed to go to that like the people bid to go to these conferences i the maui one's going to be fun cuz the naming of it was already stupid cuz it was like the maui jim jim maui invitational <laughs> and now it's going to be like the maui jim jim maui invitational from north carolina like it's just going to be the super <laughs> long name i just hope they at least still do the gimmick where the guys wear the Hawaiian shirts. Like just have the coaches wearing the Hawaiian shirts in Indy in December. That would be, that'd just be really funny to me. Yeah. Where they would do, yeah. They'd have different contests and stuff outside, have a luau, do the whole, yeah, do the whole thing. Just pretend yeah. as if everything is the same that you've just moved it to a different location. Yeah, it's yeah, luau outside of Banker's Life, just on Georgia Street. Yeah, what could what could go wrong? Uh, so the yeah. other thing that that kind of came up, and I, I haven't really seen this confirmed, but there was some, uh, in some point, there was a quote from Dan Gavitt that suggested that the net for this year may be obsolete. Some of that, I think we've, we've talked about a little bit, I think when Coach and I were on a, a couple of weeks ago, you know, talking about how some of that really needs there to be non-conference games to be able to, you know, establish which conferences fall where. Um, said it may be obsolete for this year, and they may go back to relying on the eye test. So that is um, potentially, you know, terrifying uh, for for really everyone, I do think the selection process, all kidding aside, is going to be impacted by this. How uh, it'll be a little bit tougher to tell, but I think some of these mid major teams are are going to have a you know if they if they don't draw somebody in one of these exempt events, I think they're probably going to have a hard time getting games against uh, you know some of the better some of the better teams that might really put them on the map. And then otherwise, yeah, I mean, if you have teams that really just didn't go out and happen to you know play very few non-conference games, some people might play none. Um, you know, the four games is really just a suggestion. So the selection process could get, um, could get a little, little hairy as we go through and try to figure that out. But uh, I guess I having a selection that. process would suggest that you've made it through the season to that point. So I guess that's a good problem yeah. to have, but yeah, go ahead, Scott. 
I mean, what I would say if Dan Gavitt's listening, you know, Dan Thurstoff, thanks for the, uh, you know, thanks for the approval. Please tweet and listen, like us. Uh, no, but you know, what I would say is, you know, I actually, I think, I think the opposite. I think the, you know, the, the net obsolete, but like, I mean, I think you should have, like, I think it's kind of, it was, you know, Krzyzewski brought it up, the idea of like every, having everybody in the term. I think it's a little bit nuts, but I don't know if there's not a reason to, yeah, you could still have, like, you rely on the eyeball test, but then like, why not just put everybody else in the NIT? Like just have everybody else in another tournament and just get everybody playing some kind of tournament. You need to recoup some cost. You had no tournament last year. It's not like people are going to be like, oh, well, like, why, why was everybody in the NIT that year? It's like, I, I, I'm okay thinking about the idea of expanding the tournament just for this year, just to get more teams to play, just so there's more more games to, to watch and more games to have money be made off of. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I read Matt Norlander had an interview with with Gavitt and talked through some of that stuff. It didn't seem, you know, he kind of asked some questions about potentially expanding. Didn't necessarily seem like that was completely on the table. And even he kind of took it the other direction. Uh, Matt Norlander did was to say like, would you even have the first four in Dayton? Cause now you're trying to get all these teams. Just, you know, if you had your four regions, would you like bubble up your, your different regions or, or whatever else? So yeah, it'll be interesting to see like what it means for the tournament. I don't think it gets scaled back to any more than the 64 that it used to be. Um, but I also don't know, you know, how they would figure out how to expand it, but more to come on that. There's a lot of, you know, kind of, like I said, a lot of this is a framework. There's not a lot of details that are not available yet. Uh, And I think there's going to be tons of schools scrambling to try to figure out what they're going to do. But I think, I think when people talk about it, when people talk about expanding it, the initial thought, I think the backlash came from is like, Oh, like 64 is a perfect number. And like, it's like, yes, or 68, whatever. But it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, and this, but I don't think expanding it has to be like, we're now looking to make it 128 forever. It's like, no, this is, this is a different year. Like yeah. we're not going to have fans in the stands. Like we're not talking about doing that forever. At least I hope not. Like we're, yeah. we're going to go back to some other version of normal. Like why not for one year, just, do 128 and, and knowing like we all agree like hey this year is a little bit different like there's stuff going on outside of you know there's this thing called COVID. like it is probably not hopefully not going to be here in two years yeah all right so other other basketball wise figured since we had scott on uh we've we've beaten most off-season topics into the ground but we have but scott has not had the same chance to do that uh so figured this would be a good chance to kind of get his thoughts so wanted to ask him a few questions uh some of the ones that we've been tackling here for the the upcoming season so uh, we'll get to expectations here in a minute, Scott, but is there a, a, a specific player or aspect of this year's team that you're really uh, looking forward to seeing the most? Um, <laughs> that people playing basketball would be awesome. Um, you know, that I'm excited for that. No, I, I think I, I, I would like to see the continued growth of Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, he was so good last year. I think if he can put together a little bit more of a mid-range game, I think that would be really good. I like to see how some of these freshmen fit in. I mean, the thing that I'm excited about this year is for the first time in a while, it doesn't feel like we need freshmen to come in and immediately give us like 21 and 10 right off the bat. Like we we were like, oh, Trace Jackson Davis is awesome. That's great because we need him to basically be our number one or number two player. Um, you know, in the year before, it's like we got Romeo. And like, great, Romeo, you got to be basically our number one scorer. Like this is the first time you know we have Al Durham back who's been there four years obviously you have Trace Jackson Davis coming back you have Rob Finnessy I'd love to see a, a healthy completely healthy full Rob Finnessy year and see what he can do you know we have Jerome Hunter again hopefully coming back fully healthy you have Race Thompson to build in they're like that's I haven't talked about any of the freshmen yet. So to me, this is like, this feels more like one of the more consistent years that I remember like going to games in the nineties where 
It's like, yeah, A.J. Guyton's a rookie or a freshman. It's like, yeah, he plays 10 minutes and he doesn't play much more because that's what freshmen do. You know, you, you build your way into playing time. We haven't seen that in like three or four years. We've seen guys like you got to come in and you got to do a lot because we need a lot of help and we have this constant turn. So, so to me, that's the most exciting thing is actually seeing growth out of players and seeing you know, freshmen being able to kind of do what normal freshmen do, which is have good games, go off the reservation for a couple of weeks, come back and like not have to be like, we got to get stellar performances out of these guys. And, you know, all credit to Chase Jackson Davis. Like that was a great looking back again. Like that was such a fantastic year from a freshman to basically be such a consistent player. They never had that like two week period where you're like, Oh my gosh, like it's, it's not happening. And, you know, R.I.P. Devontae Green. Like, it's also going to be nice just not having the, you know, Devontae Green game. I I enjoyed him, but not having the games where it's like, oh, God, like, it's kind of like Marcus Smart with the Celtics now I'm watching. It's like, oh, Devontae hit two threes. Like, great. That's going to be seven more bad threes. Like, it's just now it's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that with the the freshman stuff because I think similar to what you know brought up with football around continuity and how much of a factor that might play. I mean, we we tie that in with the schedule of not really having that on ramp of of easier games or things like that. I think having a team that yeah, you lost uh, Devontae and Justin Smith and, and but the other you know core pieces of of last year's team are back. You have to think that that helps uh, at least a little bit. Uh, as you would as you would go through that scenario and and so maybe that gives them a, a leg up in some of these other games just having uh, having those kinds of things um so in terms of you know how you see lineups uh, actually I'll, I'll ask you this question the other week we talked about who we thought the uh the, the kind of second most indispensable guy was outside of outside of trace uh, that's the that's the obvious answer for number one and so you know I think Al Durham was thrown out uh, uh, Lander was thrown out uh, Jerome Hunter, uh, I think those were the three that kind of garnered the most attention. Fantasy, I think, was also in there. Do you have a, a viewpoint on on who the, the next most indispensable guy is once you get past Trace? I mean, it's got to be Joey Brunk. No, I, I would say um, – I'm just trying to find somebody off the radar. Um, I, I would say Fantasy. I mean, I really think it's Fantasy. You know, when, when he – he is our starting point guard, you know, <laughs> there you go. That Mr. No nonsense or Mr. <laughs> you know, no, no, no kidding. No, I mean, it, he, we haven't had him healthy. Like the few times that he's been like fully healthy, our offense has looked completely different. He's able to run the point, run the entire game, you know, and if he's, when he's not in there, you know, we, we've kind of had the, again, the Devonte green experience last year where it became a much different style of offense. Um, but if he's not healthy again this year, you're going to hand it over to, you know, Franklin or, a, you know, a freshman or, you know, Al Durham is so much better as a two guard that like he was getting so good last year at driving to the basket, getting shots. He can play point, but I don't think that's where he's going to excel. So to me, everything gets set up with, with Rob Finnessy and his three point shooting has been good. I think it can get better. I just, I, I would love to see him. I, I want to see him have an entire year healthy. So I look at that as like, he's maybe the most second, most indispensable player. The other person that I would throw out would be, you know, again, Jerome Hunter, you know, he's, he's really, really good. Again, it's like an injury thing that we've got to get past on him. But if, you know, he, was one of our better three point shooters to end the year last year. And if you have a guy who's six, nine, who can pull the defense away from trace and leave him, you know, single covered down low on one-on-one coverage down low in the post, you know, 
that's a huge that's a huge advantage. And so I, I would I would say fantasy, but I would also put a lot of stock on Jerome Hunter as like he's also a very important player that if he comes back and he's as healthy, I mean people forget he was the the second highest recruit uh, second highest recruit in his class. Um, he just kind of fell off because of the injury and has just taken time to come back. And so honestly, this might be good for him because it's even it's kind of like Michael Penix in football. It's like it's just more time for him to get fully back into game shape. Yeah. So you alluded to this in one of your earlier answers in terms of like wanting to you know see the team be top five. And we've talked about this a lot. I mean, what what do you or what are your expectations or what do you think are realistic expectations for uh, for the team coming into the season or, or maybe minimum expectations of yours and what is shaping up to be a, a really pivotal year for Archie? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. I was talking to you before we started and I was talking to a couple other friends about this. Like, do you do you count last year as a tournament year uh, for, for IU? I mean, obviously I'm aware there wasn't, I'm aware of COVID. I wear, there wasn't a tournament, um, but you know, wh- how is that chalked up? I mean, I guess the answer is yes with a big asterisk, but if it's not a no, it's not fully a yes. I mean, we're on the bubble. We probably were going to make it. And you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough because it's like, if we don't make the tournament this coming season, Obviously, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances, so you can't just say, all right, the seat's going to get hotter. But on the flip side, it's like that's four years Um, and there's real years that have gone by. It's like I've really not seen Indiana in the tournament for four years under Archie Miller. Um, And so I, I don't I don't know. I mean, my expectations are I look at it like I look at kind of Illinois as a good comp when they hired. Brad Underwood, they were in a very similar spot, if not maybe worse than where Indiana was. And, you know, last year they were 21 and 10. They were ranked. They have a really good team coming back. You know, I kind of stand by this. It doesn't take four to five years to turn things around if you really have everything together and you know what you're doing. You look at all of the coaches who've been very, very, very successful in college basketball by year three or four things are turned around and they are on the trajectory for where they're going to be. You know, even I hate making the correlation, but even, um, you know, I don't have it all in front. I really should have been a little more prepped. I apologize. But even like Crean in year, so one, two, three, four, you know, Crean's fourth year, that's the year we beat um, Kentucky, where Christian Watford had a shot that people know about. We're 27 and nine. We go into the tournament. You know, we play Kentucky really well. They in the sweet 16. I mean, by year four, He's in the tournament by year five. He's right got the number one team in the country. And so, it does, you know, and, and we all have our feelings about Kareem, right, rightly or wrongly. It's like he, by year four, we were beating number one ranked teams in the country and going to the tournament as a protected seat. So or we were a four seed that year. Yeah, I think uh, maybe five. A- anyway, maybe it doesn't, five, it, whatever. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're the high seed. So – I stand by that, like, there, there are a lot of extenuating circumstances happened the last two years, but I still stand by by year four, any coach should be able to get this turned around, not to mention Indiana's got the highest recruiting budget in the Big Ten. You know, we have a very, a lot of things on our side. So to me, the expectations are, yeah, top, I mean, top five Big Ten easily. you got to be in the top five of the Big Ten. In my mind, you can't just be eking into that fifth place spot. You should probably be in the top four or three. And I think you need to be looking at making a legitimate run at the second weekend of the tournament, assuming the tournament, you know, it's not 128 teams. Like, hey, we 96. I mean, like under the yeah. normal rules of a normal <laughs> tournament, you should be making, you know, you can't just be, you know, winning as an eight seed and then getting boat raced by the one seed in the second round. Like you, you got to do a little bit more. And, you know, 
part of this is because there are some a lot of you know unfulfilled expectations in the first two and a half years of the Archie era that I think it's like the the check is coming due. I don't think you can fire him after this coming season if things don't go right, but it's like at some point, like you're getting to that point. So that that is the long answer to your question. My expectations are, you know, top four to five in the Big Ten being there strongly, and then a pretty solid showing in the in the tournament, whatever that tournament looks like. I mean, what what were your? I I've not listened to all of it. What what are your expectations for this year? I think it's I think it's similar. I think you want to be, you know, I think a top five in the Big Ten, and and if you do that, then you're comfortably in the tournament. I think that's really where you want to be. That the fact that. You know, we can debate, you know, there's no tournament last year. So, you know, I can say that they, I, I felt like at the time that the season ended, they would have been in, but they wouldn't have been in incredibly safely. So I think that's the part that's, you know, you, you can't be squeaking out a, a bid to the tournament, I think, at this point in year four based on what they've got coming back. So we shall see. But uh, all right. So coming up in our last segment, we are going to hit on uh, IU, uh, people with IU ties on Cameo. So idea that Scott had, so stick with us here to uh, talk about that on the assembly call. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hey, guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know, I have never listened to the assembly call. And to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, Gene. I I picked that one because it's uh, it's good for our, our topic here in our final segment. Uh, so welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Scott Caulfield of Crimson Cast. And remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. So just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. So with that, uh, Scott had this idea. So I'll let him set it up. We don't have a ton of time, but we'll uh, at least go through here. So Scott, I'll let you set up your uh, cameo-related uh, idea for this segment. Yeah. So I was uh, I was messing with my neighbor, who's been I've talked on my podcast a couple of times, Michigan State grad, and I just like a way to mess with him. And he bought a flagpole, hasn't put a flag up yet. I have my Indiana flag flying, and so I went on to Cameo, and Gerald Holmes, who was a running back for Michigan State, was eight dollars to do a cameo. I'm like best eight dollars I ever spent. So did a cameo where I just like it was just like hey like mess with my buddy it was great and then my wife's birthday is tomorrow i just got to plan her on cameo i'm like i I get her she's a big doctor who fan like the office everyone from the office is like 300 bucks so i look at indiana university and i pull up and there's 
all these guys from IU, and actually not all these guys, but a, a, an interesting mix of guys from IU, I ended up going with Christian Watford for 20 bucks. Gr- did a fantastic job. He talked about the watch shot. He says hi to my wife. Like, it's a, it's a great $20. By the way, it's like helping out Watford. Like, I love it. But I'm looking through some of these prices, and we're talking about things to talk about. Like, there's some really crazy people on here with prices and just a weird mix of guys. Like you have James Blackman, you have Zizloff, you have Tim Priller for $15. He almost got picked. Patrick Ewing Jr., Freddie McSwain, um, you know, Robert Johnson. You got Kyle Schwarber, not basketball, but 200 bucks. Uh, Juwan Morgan. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting mix. So I know we want to talk about, you know, value. And I think the value pick is pretty obvious here and then who we'd like to see on there. Um, so you, you kind of laid it out maybe in a better way than I have a who who's on there in the prices. All right. So we'll kind of, we'll kind of go through the prices here. Uh, so Schwarber is at the top for $200. Uh, that feels like that feels a little steep. Uh, yeah. Ran- Antoine Randall there for 75 Alford for 50. Uh, so everybody can take up a collection to get us to do one for, uh, Ryan with, with Alford. Go down to $40. You got, uh, Juwan Morgan and Dan Dockage, $31 odd amount Devonte Green, uh, 25, Patrick Ewing Jr., James Blackman Jr., and Robert Johnson. 20 bucks, uh, you got Watford, McSwain, Zeisloft, and Deron Davis. 15, you got Tim Priller. And then the clear value pick, $10, AJ Moye. I need to, uh, need to work with AJ on his pricing, I feel like, because... I mean, ten dollars for that, especially in comparison and to the Freddie others. Freddie McSwain has doubled you up. Like that's unacceptable. Yeah. AJ Moy is at least forty bucks. Yeah, I feel like. I mean, if you if you factor in like who's where people are on here, like Moy could very easily be in the twenty five, at least at a minimum, the twenty five dollar category. I think Watford yeah. even at twenty is a, is a fairly uh, a it's fairly a good deal. a fairly good value there. Um, so, so those are, those are interesting. Any that stand out as a, like, I mean, the Schwarber one for $200, like, I'm not sure that I could justify spending $200 on virtually anyone on there, uh, to get somebody to do something. So that one, you know, kind of stands yeah, out to in me the end, that. like, it's like, it's like 20 seconds. Like you get a 20 second video. It's great. It's personalized. They say exactly what you want to say, but it's like, yeah, yeah. you're getting 20 seconds of Schwarber. Like to me, I'm not spending over 30 bucks, but it was like, it was fun with Wofford to spend it here. So you were going to talk about who right. we'd like to see. Yeah. On so, there. yeah. So we got about a minute left. So give me a couple guys that you'd like to see on there. You don't have to, you don't have to give what you would be willing to pay, but give me a couple <laughs> guys, maybe a, a mainstream guy, maybe somebody obscure that uh, you'd like to see on there. I'd love to see Coverdale. I'd love to see Isaiah Thomas, just because I think he would mess it up royally every single time. And you know, you know who could easily charge if you're listening a hundred dollars easy is Chuck Crab. You tell me I wouldn't want to have like now starting, you know, for the office. Hey, six, four, sophomore, Scott Caulfield. <laughs> like, I mean, Crab could easily do that 75 bucks a piece. Like everybody would get Chuck Crab, right? I think so. I think that's the clear pick. I would my obscure pick would be I would for sure send this to my college roommate if I would pay for Larry Richardson to be on there. Uh, oh, yes. So that would be that would be a good one. And then obviously Jared quickly chimed into when you emailed about this uh, with Cheney, which he which he said a hundred dollars. I would I would take on good authority. He'd be willing to spend more than that, but uh, but we'll see. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right, so that will uh, that will do it for us tonight on the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you heard on the show tonight. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Take it from me, A.J. Moyer. Keep your elbows in. Eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you.
Mexico is more than a country. It's a feeling. Wherever you feel Mexican, there is Mexico. Let's celebrate it. Tecate. Mexico is in us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.